The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. You work in television, Annabelle. Can we do mm. a reality show in which it's like a merger of The Apprentice and The Bachelor, but it's basically the, the next big rich person party in which we find the future Gareth Morgan, Kim.com, whatever, mm, and then that. train them up and catapult Absolutely. them to power and then uh, just do corruption. Toodle, 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 mai, mai, aire mai. Welcome to Gone by Lunchtime. Kia orana, Annabelle. Kia orana, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou. Hello, Ben. Hi, how's it going? Good. Uh, we are on a deadline. Mm. Um, we don't want to cut into the allotted studio scheduled time for the real pod. So I mean, we'll, the other thing uh, is, Fast Pod's a good pod. Get the opinions out there to the masses. I agree. A fast pod is a good pod. A lot and, of people and out and there who don't know what te to te think. Or te reo kuki aerini. Cook Island language vibes. Yes, yes. Um, uh, how are the Cook Islands? Well, oh my God, they are so amazing. Honestly, we we don't ever have to talk to Australia literally for the rest of our lives because we've got we've got the Cook Islands and it's far superior in every way. But um, little interesting anecdote that I heard while I was over there is that um, they had a really good time during COVID, during the lockdown. They said that the government gave out seeds and everyone like got into their gardens and it became like a bit of a competition, like amazing garden growing. In fact, they had so much food, they were giving it away on the sides of the road. Mm. They loved having their island backed from the tourists and getting to just enjoy it themselves. Everybody pitched in, helped one another out. And they also, all, all the villagers organised um, big sporting um, competitions to keep themselves entertained and stuff. So, you make it sound like some kind of COVID idyll, but weren't people also uh, skint and struggling? They weren't. Um, they weren't wanting for food. Apparently, they mm. were. They were totally able to self-sustain. The issue that they have now is that once the borders opened, heaps of people left and came to New Zealand. So now they've got an employment. Um, shortage. Shortage? Yeah. Interesting. The um, announcement... So if you're thinking about a winter job to get away from the Auckland malaise... Mm. Can get, we can get away right. from the, 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 wind, the house-rattling winds. Yeah, that'd be all right, wouldn't the, it? Have you been watching The White Lotus? No. Um, I'm saving it. It's quite some really quite uh, tense resort 
vibes going on mm. in the White Lotus. But um, we're on a we're on a we're on a deadline. Why am I this, talking about can the I White just Lotus? Because yes. it was when I walked into the studio this morning, mm. there was a very strong icy slicey vibe uh-huh. that I could feel little icicles on my heart. Because I'm very late today, and yes. I'm usually never late, but no. I'm I'm like profoundly rudely late. I'm half, half an hour, hour late. Yep. Just by way of explanation, if you want your children to have a real Māori education in Auckland, that requires like literally driving the cross isthmus <coughs> challenge every day. So today I had to drive to Newton to drop my my, my school girl off at Te Uru Karaka, mm. then drive all the way out to Te Atatū to drop my baby off at Te Punareo or Manawa Nui and then drive all the way back into town. So all you farmers out there who are getting the deal <laughs> rammed down your throats, can I say, I wish they were ramming the deal down my kids' throats because they have to drive really far. Maybe you could like volunteer your tractors to mm. create a convoy to clear the roads. That's why they need you. So I can get here quicker. That's why they need... They, they, they need to cover like tens of thousands of kilometres a week to have... That air shoved down their throats, or light rail, you know, a <laughs> triumph of triumph of Western science, in order to enable Mataranga Māori. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that, yeah. shall we? But let's start on the poll, uh, which emerged one of those rare gifts from the palace politics gods on Sunday on News Hub, and it was kind of fascinating, I thought, in that you had the Party of Government, Labour, who basically uh, rule alone, losing 10 points. So 10-point loss, 9.7 points, point percentage points down. You had the National Party increase, Judith Collins, the leader of the National Party, increase, and yet it was a bad poll for National. Hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, explain that to us, Ben Thomas, political analyst and commentator. Well, so, so the overall movement was about, what, point. Three drop for Labour, nine point seven, nine point seven down to what forty three, mm. and National were up one point seven, Act were up four point two, yep, um, and Seymour overtaking Collins and preferred PM. That's the second, the second poll. The Royal Morgan also had that. no, the uh, the UMR one had that. Oh, big pun. Um, Roy Morgan did have Labour down, so we can say that you know Roy Morgan like stopped clock was correct that time. Um. And it, yeah, it's interesting to think about the flows. It was sort of interpreted as a lot of that support that was going from Labour was going to act rather than national. Um, it's hard, hard to tell that from the poll. You know, often there's some sort of quite complicated sort of under-ocean currents of vote movements. Um, Act did some polling back in May uh, where they sort of looked at the number of people, you know, the percentage of people who might who might ever vote for them, sort of, or or, or was, would seriously consider voting Act. This is what David Seymour calls the Act voting universe. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. <yes. laughs> Act cinematic universe. Yeah, and and it's about sixteen percent of the electorate right now. That's that's right now that they see that as their sort of upper issue, you know, mm. their upper limit. Mm. And of, of that group of people, about you know, about roughly a third of them voted for Act last time, or probably must work out as a bit higher than that. But of the remainder, it's about two to one people who voted National in the last election to people who voted Labour in the last election. So if if you took that as still about right, then you'd say that Act's, Act's gain in the last poll was probably about 1.4% from Labour, 2.8% from National. That would mean National took about 
five from Labor, and then it sort of adds up. Um, so, so there's a, but but there is a question about whether there is that sort of rightward drift from Labor to National, National to Act, or whether you've got people just swapping over from Labor to Act, which intuitively doesn't seem right. But when you look at some of those issues like freedom of speech or the hate speech laws um, or hepuapua, where you know you have a lot of disquiet from the kind of cloth cap left uh, like um, Chris Trotter and what, probably Mike Lee, <laughs> and, um, it, you know, it, it is possible that maybe there is that that sort of uh, drift, drift like sort of. Sorry, where are those people going? I mean, I mean, the Greens went up one and a half, New Zealand First went up one and a half, which yeah. is more or less the same as what National went up. So some of that's gone to the people who are like bring back the handbrake. Some of it's gone. I imagine the Greens have benefited a bit from some of that. Some of it's just general. I'm going to name someone other than mm. Labour because I'm a bit pissed off with them. But yeah, the, but, but they're not but the is because, on the whole saying national. I mean, I didn't, I didn't t- totally follow all of your um, complex entanglements and the <laughs> moving of the voters within the the kind of centrifuge there. But obviously, Judith Collins and the national traders will argue, argue this is a step in the right direction, and that's 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 arguable. But doesn't it suggest that the strategy of going for all those issues, those cultural war issues, the some of the stuff that ACT have been prospering on? is a bit of a dead end. Like, go for that centre voter. I have quite a complex, highbrow, if you will, theory about this poll. Mm. And it's um, hashtag winter vibes. Winter. Vibes. Vibes. Winter vibes. Yes. You know, shitty time of year. People are kind of discontented with their yeah. lives, cold and miserable, also, and you get a little bit of um, wriggling around. For me, I think what's interesting is that, by and large, Ardern's um, support has has held up, and there hasn't been a major drop in that. And I think really that you know that's what counts. Her, she's on forty five point five down two and a half, yeah, which is still uh, pretty imperious. The the winter vibes, yes. that's maybe also is that linked to a bit of COVID fatigue, a bit of mm. the kind of the kind of invincibility shield of the COVID response wearing off a bit. I mean, I mean, one 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 argument is that Labor had nowhere else, no, couldn't go higher. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like in a way, it had 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 mm. reached it. So there was a, um, and. Yeah, I mean the the one of the some some other polling the, the polling that we did with Sticky Beak um uh and and during the during the recess found that there was still very high support for the government response it had slipped a bit but it was still mm-hmm. the p- people who 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 said it was net positive was 69% which is still very high. When we asked about the vaccine program it was only 32%. Now admittedly the it's like the, the highest number was in the middle. We don't know one to five ranking. One and two was thirty-two percent. The three, the middle, sort of basically undecided or on the fence or ambivalent or whatever, was the highest number. But the it suggests that the direction of travel in terms of the public mood and the response is slipping away a bit. So, are you saying that your results said that people were sort of happy with the way the Borders have been managed, but not happy with the with the vaccine rollout. The over the 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 sentiment on the overall response mm. was still very high. Mm. So seven in ten still had a net positive to the overall to, to the overall response to COVID. But when we asked, how do you feel about the 
vaccine rollout, mm. uh, just over three in 10 said, said they were positive on that. But still, more than three in 10 also said they were they were neutral on it. Mm. So it's not like it was disastrous, but it suggests that when you put together the vaccine rollout, the MIQ booking stuff, which is just kind of seems to be snowballing at the moment in terms of the number of headlines around that, whether or not kind of a whole lot of water in New Zealanders are, 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 are exercised by it is debatable. When you put those two things together and a bit of ennui and a bit of what comes next. And winter vibes. And hashtag winter vibes. I, I think this is definitely, it's definitely a vibes poll in terms of coming back down to earth. Um, like you say, with the MIQ, as far as I can tell, most New Zealanders still desperately intent to keep their fellow countrymen out of New Zealand mm-hmm. um, and tell them to go fuck themselves <laughs> if they weren't here doing the hard mahi for seven weeks in March to May last year. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag you don't know what we've been through. Um, and, you know, that sort of provincial ugliness hasn't really abated at all. But and in terms of, you know, say the howl of protest, I don't think that there are that many people who are particularly exercised about um, areas of national significance in Northland or uh, the Taranaki, hmm. you know, or Taranaki rather. Um, but when you add all these things together, the vibe, the vibe seems to be that actually this is not the all-conquering, COVID-killing, Wonder Woman, Amazonian Jacinda and Chris Hipkins slash Ashley Bloomfield with a Superman costume under their suit sort of government. Uh, instead, it's the same bumbling oafs who couldn't get Kiwi build off the ground, who couldn't get light rail built. Um you know, right now we've got ministers in hiding. <laughs> Chris Farfoy is in a witness protection program somewhere. <laughs> He's been relocated to the Alexandra district with a new name and new family to, to avoid doing interviews about this. After the, after the for, formal apology of the Dawn Rats, he was there. He asked if he could have the mat please to go and um, yeah. scurry underneath. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's one of those things, you know, they, the ceremonial sort of draping of the mat over Farfoy and then they remove it and he's gone. <laughs> you know, it's like a, <laughs> that Woody Harrelson magician movie, you know. The, like. Hey, do you guys reckon um, that National is regretting its sponsorship of ACT? Do you think they feel like that's a plan that perhaps has now backfired? Oh, you mean if they'd killed them off in Epsom? mm Ben, you're in deep in the deep in the deep in the weeds. I no, well, I, I mean, you know, the question is when could they have done that? They couldn't have done that in the last election. I mean, I think they could have the one before in in 2017, possible. 2014 yeah. for sure. 2014 definitely, one hundred percent. 2014 and 2011. Um, no, I don't think they'll be regretting it because, I mean, look, Im- imagine where National would be now without ACT. Well, uh, maybe eleven percent higher because there'd be no alternative. <laughs> well, right. yeah, maybe yeah. New Zealand first would be no, right? Well, like, yeah, that, I mean that, that's, that, the, that's right. It's, I mean that's the that's the worry. You know, we used to talk about in ABC anyone but Cunliffe. Maybe it's anybody but Collins. You know, you know there are elements of the New Zealand polity whose vote need to go somewhere. Um, you know, that, that sort of sick of being told what to do. Political correctness has gone mad. You know, angry, angry people in the, the small town TAB. I mean, better that their votes get ch- ch- channelled into, you know, MPs who give speeches about low tax and less regulation. Except that when, they- when, 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 when ACT were kind of, you know, 
more or less a corpse, a twitching corpse in those years. Uh, John Key happily sort of soaked up those votes without banging that drum very hard. You know, I mean, Winston got a fair bit of it too. But, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, there is an argument to say that it would be much easier if National could just quietly scoop up their vote without having to... You know, yeah. I mean, the, use a the, megaphone. Yeah, the other argument, though, is that I mean, you know, dealing with the the world in front of them now, I think it's that preferred prime minister stat is a very clear indication that national shouldn't be spending its time trying to consolidate the right uh, because it's just hitting a wall to its right. Um, Judith Collins is not out acting act or it should be trying to consolidate the centre right. Though, they should they right? should be it should be well, reaching no, they, into they the middle. Be, it should be they should be yeah they should be hitting into the middle. They shouldn't yeah. just be contesting those um, areas and presenting themselves in a way that I think that you know I think that so, so, some of the front bench are doing reasonably effectively, which is presenting some alternatives for how the because broadly people you know you look at those numbers I was talking about before broadly people support the way that the oh. government has responded to COVID. And so present yourselves at some point in the lead up to the next election as the government in waiting. You know, that's the that's the old cliche, right? I mean, it's kind of a luxury that um, that, poll, that poll that you guys did and that because um, the government is doing the main thing, right, which is keeping COVID out, it gives us time to niggle about the other things that aren't going so well, like MIQ and the vaccine rollout. If, you know, Delta was ripping through the community. Which you kind of, you know, touch wood, touch mm. wood, like, with you know, the, the, the look at the number of use of the contact tracing app and so on and so forth. One of the big days that's coming up is August the 12th, and uh, already the Prime Minister has started mentioning that a bit as if to kind of fend off the pressure from a range of areas in terms of the response, the opening up, the we're going to hear, we're going to, the, the roadmap is going to be talked about. The announcement a lot. of the announcement. Uh, was well, this week. so so the, so so the, so the, 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 they, I mean, they did with this, this with the travel bubble last year, didn't yeah. they? They they announced be the when they would be we'll making an announcement today, yeah. that we would Yeah. So 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 they are called. They are holding something called the Reconnecting New Zealanders to the World Forum. Uh, I understand, on August the 12th. So August the 12th is like next Thursday, and it's when David Skegg's group uh, lays out their findings, and they've been tasked with looking at uh, what sort of level of vaccination will be required to open up, what sort of opening up will look like. We'll start getting into some actual serious numbers about, for example, could we do, if people have got two doses of the vaccines that have been approved by New Z- by Medsafe in New Zealand, would we then say you could do seven days, you know, do a bunch of saliva tests as well, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you'd start off with doing a certain number of days in MIQ, a certain number of days at home, that sort of thing. And what will be interesting, I think, is to see the extent to which that relieves the pressure uh, on when are we going to be opening up all that stuff. But at the same time, I think there might be a little bit of a wind that comes the other direction, which is that I think a lot of people haven't necessarily, have just sort of assumed that in February next year, it'll kind of be normal. And that this, the findings of this group will make it very clear that in February next year, nothing is going to be different. Yeah. And I think the this government is very risk averse 
on this, um, you know, and and that will be interesting to see how it plays, right? The government has had, you know, the advantage, if you want to call it that, of seeing the entire world burning up with COVID um, while we've been relatively unscathed, thanks to a very good response. Um, In six months next year, you know, depending, touch wood, hoping that the Lambda variant doesn't sort of again carve up the sort of citizens of the world, the United States will be back to normal. Now, the United States is already largely back to normal. They, they also are recording, you know, <laughs> big, they're getting back to record high case numbers in some areas. But but they have, you know, early on in the um, COVID sort of era, there was a piece, I think it was in the Atlantic, that said, when does a pandemic end? And it either ends when everyone's immune to the disease or it ends when people decide it's over. And... In the United States, in the United Kingdom, they've decided it's over. And that that idea, you know, to, if we're not getting pictures of body bags, of overwhelmed hospitals, and instead we're getting pictures of, you know, the Grammys or whatever, the, the ordinary sort of business as usual images from overseas are, how much will that affect people's, um, you know, tolerance of continuing restrictions? And we don't know that yet. Hey, uh, very quickly before we move on, because we're uh, it's National Party Conference this weekend. It's also the Green Party AGM, but um, there'll be a lot of attention, I think, on Judith Collins' speech, which will be on Sunday afternoon. What, what, very quickly, what, what does she need to say? What does she need to do? Does she need to? What's the message, Ben? We, we, I, I think she needs to tell the party that they're going to change tack, that they're going to knuckle down and hold, you know, hold the government to account rather than sort of chasing down rabbit holes, trying to invent their poor, poor conspiracies, um, you know. No, de- no debate demanding. You don't want to de- I, de- demanding of the debate. I, I, I don't think it's, yeah, I, I, I think they need to, I mean, there, there are so many inconsistencies with this current campaign. Their newest thing is separate justice systems, and they're talking about EWI-led community justice schemes that National helped set up, and, you know, which are actually extremely good <laughs> programs, um, you know, and basically provide a sort of, uh, you know, rural Māori equivalent to the diversion scheme, which is a separate justice system for young white educated university middle class kids to not be convicted of crimes and to get a second chance. It's so ironic that they would think that somehow Māori get an easier deal in the justice (laughs) system. eh? It defies um, science and mātauranga Māori to think that. Um, But I mean it's quite remarkable eh, that we're how how many months on from the last election? Nearly a year. Yeah, and that she, I mean, despite everyone talking about the death rattle and the, you know, the pounding drums that she has endured. What, have you got any tips for her for her, for her speech on Sunday in Molly Mather? Just try and tap into the summer vibes. Summer vibes? <laughs> That's a great idea. Just come out to one of the, you know, some summertime. Summertime vibes. On, on the other hand, the, the climate of fear in terms of, caucus discipline does actually seem mm. to be working pretty well just in the last few weeks that it's sort of the purge mm. seems to be working so maybe she should just like mm. get rid of an MP on stage like, Ooh, a, like a ritual one. decapitation yeah kind of like oh, I'd love I'd love to you mm. know introduce our mm. team to everyone mm. every proud member of the National Party caucus step forward mm. not so fast <laughs> like <laughs> 
Okay. Well, we've got a couple of options there. We've got a ritual disembowelment of a member of caucus or a promise to make it summer all year round. Two tips. Take Barbecues, them both the, if the you like. farmers will love it. You know, it's beef, it's sausages. <laughs> It's the vibe. It's the vibe. Um, I want to carry on on the theme of vibes, uh, Annabelle. Uh, Mataranga Māori and uh, Western Science was a letter in the New Zealand Listener signed by seven eminent professors uh, objecting to their reading of the curriculum and uh, its requirement for uh, exploration study of Mataranga Māori and looking at the Western science impact in terms of colonisation and so on and so forth. Uh, that created quite a uh, remarkable blowback, including an open letter with 2,000 signatories, including many eminent professors. And uh, the Royal Society uh, didn't like it. The New Zealand Association of Scientists didn't like it. The University of Auckland disavowed it. Last night on The Hui. Uh, which is a television program on uh, three. Mm. The, there was an interview with one of the eminent professors, uh, Michael Kubalas, and he was interesting. I'm bringing this home now. He because he didn't really seem to know a great deal about Maturanga Māori, but he knew the vibe. He, he was really understood the vibe had, of it, had, and he didn't like the vibe of it. No, he'd like. Had gone into the party, felt the vibe, yes. was a little bit confused by it, and then decided that that was not the vibe Bad for vibe. for NCEA. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell, yeah. What else to say about about all that? You had um, a panel on after that. Um, we had Dr. Uh, Professor Rangi, Rangi, Rangi Matamua, who's a Maori astronomer. Um, Melanie Mark Shadbolt, who is Ron Mark's daughter, and of course um, Tina Ngata, all of who, all of whom are experts and practitioners um, of Matauranga Māori and of you know our scholars and and all of that. But interestingly, none of them work in universities anymore because they say that the cultural elitism that you know, you could read in that letter is all pervasive in our tertiary institutions and and as a result, um, a lot of um, Māori academics end up leaving. So, mm. you know, if we're genuine about wanting to encourage more Māori and Pacifica children into science, um, we also have to create um, working environments for our academics where their, um, um, where their knowledge... Um, bodies like Matauranga Māori aren't being um, minimised or discriminated against or dismissed by their colleagues. I mean, the only thing I'd say is Michael Corbalis is a doctor of psychology, so I think it's pretty rich. One of the <laughs> what would what would uh, was his name Tom um, Hiddleston? No, Tom the psychology Hardy. one. Oh, Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. What would he have to say about yeah, well, Michael Corbalis? <laughs> next week, next week on the Hui, Tom Cruise. One of the Tom points Cruise. that um, Rangi Matamua said, which I thought was interesting, is that there wasn't didn't seem like an awful lot of scientific method in the that's right in the that sat behind the letter. But looking at it overall, is when you look at it, you know it sort of feels like that was a story of last week, and it went through all the cycles, and there was a, two thousand people signed that letter, you know and, and, mm. <laughs> that. There's some sense in which the system works. 
Like, the debate was had. Well, I don't know. That's There was an overwhelming response. There was a sort of disavowal from the form bodies. To a degree, Hmm. but but I guess... um, the issue for many who signed the letter is that those people are still in institutions, holding their positions in institutions where they're educating the the next generation of educators. Mm. And so that's problematic. It's great to disavow or distance your institution from those sorts of sentiments. But when you have people in those institutions who hold those sorts of views and are passing them on to the people who will become the Mm. science teachers and all of that stuff that's problematic. The interesting thing is when you look at what the NCEA um, working group was proposing, they they weren't actually even saying that mātauranga Māori was science, although obviously a lot of mātauranga Māori is science. What they were saying is that the new curriculum would analyse and critique the ways in which science was used to rationalise colonisation. And that, I mean, you can't dispute that. It absolutely 100% was, not just here, but all over the world. So Lots it of was people like, have to die to get beautiful pictures of plants <laughs> and crosshatch drawings of stalks. But yeah, it's just strange because it seems like the people who signed the letter didn't even actually read what the working group mm. was saying. Mm. Yeah, it's and it's that we're in defence of science. Well, nobody's nobody's attacking science. Yeah, and they were saying, you know, it's dangerous to question science. We need science to solve climate change, and you know, you're confusing the picture and, and those sorts of comments. But it seems strange to me that academics um, who are supposed to encourage critical thinking would then turn around and say, we can't, you know, this shouldn't be in the curriculum because questioning science is dangerous. I mean, if we took that approach, we'd all still be sitting here getting electric shock therapy, um, you know, when you've got the black dog hanging around. Hmm. Um, We've got two minutes to go. We were going to talk about the Dawn Raids very briefly. The Dawn Raids, pretty um, moving uh, event on Sunday at the Town Hall. Is it enough? Some money Man, put it's into- hard not to tear up when you when you watch that stuff. Mm. Eh? Obviously, it was so meaningful to the Pacifica community, and a good reminder that you know, although um, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. It's actually never too late to do the right thing Mm. and to offer an apology. Is it enough? Um, It's a good start. You know, you'll need to follow it up with a a whole lot of um, other stuff. And and I think, you know, teaching Dawn, uh, teaching um, the history of the Dawn Raids in our schools, uh, um, you know, as part of the curriculum should be mandatory because if you do that, then you're not going to have ignorant comments like Pacific Islanders are leeches, you know, that sort of commentary coming through when you understand the enormous contribution our Pacifica whānau has made to New Zealand during World War I, World War Two, and um, in terms of being um, a, a labour force in New Zealand. Many, and, and a number of Rugby World Cups. Oh my God, amen. Exactly. Uh, in terms of reparations, we just need to, exactly. we need to send them about half of the All Black team. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, I mean, the, what, one interesting um, 
one interesting parallel is if you look at, uh, I think, you know, and it's not the same, obviously. It's not sort of police dogs and dawn raids and stuff. But in terms of that sort of idea of kind of ingratitude, I think I was, is it 10,000 people on work visas who are who have applied for residency in the last year and a half, you know, their, their applications were essentially binned um, about a month ago. Um, and none of the, you know, residency applications are essentially not being processed right now. So we're seeing cases like, you know, the doctor and the GP in Otaki who's got 1,300 patients in his practice who's, who's leaving because he can't get residency and he can't get uh, his family um, entry to New Zealand. And, you know, it, 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 there's something going very wrong uh, in immigration right now, whether it's a deliberate go slow, whether it's like some kind of administrative screw up. But the idea that we are basically living off the goodwill of these people, that we are not letting settle here, not giving any kind of permanent guarantees, using their skills during an economic and a health crisis, um, and in, in a lot of cases, not even letting their families in to join them. Um, it, it, it seems like something that we need more answers on. We also need more answers on supermarkets, which we were going to discuss, but we have run clean out of time, except to say that they're really expensive. Uh, thank you all very much. Thank you, Tiai here. Uh, thank you to spin-off members. Uh, we love you, every single one of you, and we know where all of you live. Kia ora. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.